go to LAFC. I ended up scoring the first goal against them. And then we just go back and forth. We ended up losing 3-2. But after that game, it was the hardest thing for me mentally, but also the best thing that's ever happened to me as a player because I had played a significant role in why we conceded on the goals. It hurt bad because I knew I was, I was at fault. Uh, my lens is how can I get better from the situation, not how can I get more down on myself. So I looked at it, I watched it, I learned from it, and from there, I you know I don't I don't really recall making those drastic game-changing mistakes. Elliot Horde, how you doing? What's going on, Omar? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good, dude. I'm good. <laughs> good to see you. How's everything been? Good, man. Just enjoying the San Diego weather. It's a little warmer over here, so uh, nice change of pace from Fresno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, if anybody who's watching this who would watch the Matt Sheldon podcast, you know that we were in the backyard, but we did it a little bit more uh, intently to do it during the day, so we actually had some sun and uh, not in the shadows like last time. So, Coach of the Year, right? I mean, a lot of people maybe who haven't heard of you or like maybe known who you are, you played in the USL. You and I were at Davis together. So that is how we both know each other. But you had a nice little career in the USL, but now you're in coaching, coach of the year this season. How was uh, how was that? Yeah, man, it was. Uh, I I honestly wasn't expecting to get that award. It was a it was a bit of a surprise. And you know, last year I started um, as a head coach w with a team called College of Sequoias, which is in Visalia, California. We're a junior college. I'm working with the women's program. So my first year, you know, it was, was hard. I came in late. And uh, just kind of trying to learn the ropes and assemble a team. And, you know, we, we struggled quite a bit. But this season, some more experience, uh, really having a chance to recruit helped a lot. And we were able to turn the season around. And it was just, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a, it was a project and, and it was definitely challenging. But it was really cool to see how, how fast our, myself and the rest of the staff and the players, the hard work that we put in really uh, propelled us into, into the season. Yeah, so what kind of player are you looking for? So I know sometimes when we have people on, even myself as a, as a goalkeeper coach, I have an eye for sometimes maybe players that play similar to me or see the game similar to me. And I feel like maybe as a head coach now, you played right back, right, for for most yeah, of your pro career? Yeah, my pro career I played right back, you know, wing back, at times some outside mid, but you know, growing up, I was actually trained as like a center mid, sometimes the six, but more of like an eight or a 10. And then at, when I played college at UC Davis, uh, the head coach, Dwayne, started putting me at right wing. And then he started putting me at right back. And I was so opposed. and I was so mad that he was doing it. But it eventually is, hey, you know, credit to him. He saw it first. So uh, it was pretty cool to see how it's just the transformation. You got to the one just takeaway from that is just being open minded to you adjust. Yeah, you have to adjust. Yeah. yeah I mean, so you as a player, if I remember correctly, I mean, you're somebody who was very, uh, I would say tactical, but somebody who understood the game a little bit. You recognize the spacing. You recognize where my, my touch needs to be taken so that I can, you know, have a pass open for me here. Do you feel like you look for players who kind of see the game the same way that you do, or you've kind of evolved to say, look, this is what the team needs in this position. Let me just kind of adjust to that. Yeah, so what's unique about the junior college environment is – yeah, of course, you want players to fit a certain kind of, you know, uh, role and, and ability. But the reality of our and my environment, at least at the junior college level, is you're going to try to find the players that are just wanting to play. And, yeah, I would love to have, you know, those those players that, that resemble a certain way or can we fit, can we need a midfielder? We lost a midfielder. It's like 
really for us is like who wants to play at the junior college level and who can actually contribute and be an impact player. So our environment's different than maybe like a four-year level where you're having scholarships or you have ability to kind of really sell them on it. And, and there's obviously certain recruiting things that we're doing to yeah. bring players in, but ultimately the, our biggest challenge is making sure we're consistently bringing these players in and making sure girls want to play. So yeah, it's, um, it's kind of a weird dynamic, but it's also unique in, its, in, in that way. Yeah. And before Davis, you were you recruited heavily, you think? Uh, at, when, before I went to Davis? Yeah. yeah. So at Davis, I was. I mean, there, there was interest. I know Cal Poly was really interested. UNLV, UW had some interest. The one I was kind of shocked by was uh, Georgetown. They actually had seen me in a in a game at a showcase and the coach loved me. It's just at the time... My grades were fine. It was, you know, it was above like 3.0 and my SAT, I think the SAT score, they wanted it higher. And, you know, I just, in, in high school, I, I wouldn't say I was a, a bad student, but I definitely wasn't, uh, you know, the, I think the Georgetown, <laughs> yeah, the honorary, you know, honor roll, whatever it is. So I, I think that one slipped through the crack, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, there was definitely interest from teams. I wasn't heavily scouted and I was very proactive in my recruiting process. It wasn't like they were just trying to reach out to me. Like you had to be, you have to be proactive in, in your, in that process. Yeah. Were you looking at teams that are schools that fit your style of play? So I f- that's, I feel like the conversation nowadays where we see young players, uh, me again, me mainly from the goalkeeping side, we get players who say, look, I want to go to this school and I want to compete for the position. And sometimes they look at a goalkeeper who's maybe in the national team pool, who's a sophomore. And you look at it and you say, look, yeah, do you want to go there? Is the training good? Sure. Is the academics good? Sure. But if you want to play, that maybe not might, might not be the best position for you to go uh, and sit for two years. But for you, were you even considering like, yeah, maybe I need to go to a school that I could play more or that fits my style? Yeah, I, you know, I really wasn't looking at the style. I think it was more, for me, it was like who was really showing interest, like who really wanted me. And at the end of the day, as a player, uh, you always you always feel good about people wanting you, right? And and so for me, that was a, that was a key thing. Davis showed a ton of interest. He really liked me. Uh, the, the visit was great. And I had done some other visits, and there was interest there, but it just seemed – it really seemed like they were really invested in me and wanted me. So for me, that was a selling point. Went to the campus. It was just a whole different environment I've never seen in my life. And, you know, it's crazy. As in high school, I didn't even know, like, the value and the the kind of, um, I guess, perception of the UC system. Yeah. And I was telling someone, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to UC Davis. They're like, you're going to UC Davis? Like, I was like, what are your grades? I'm like, yeah, they're fine. He's <laughs> like, dude, you know you're going to, like, a really, really hard school. I was like, Really? And then I got there and I was like, oh man, I am. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, do you remember like the recruiting process? I'll tell you mine. So I, I, I don't I haven't told the story at all really or like remember it really too fondly, but or look back on it fondly. It was a, it was a tough recruiting process. But early on, I was looked at by like Stanford, UCLA. But I remember I got Who's my first. <laughs> well, I got like my first like packages in the mail or like the letters in the mail and my coach sat me down in high school was like hey UCLA just reached out and I was like oh this is amazing talked to one of my teammates yeah I got the same exact letter and it was just like changing the name and it was the exact same text so right away you're just like shit that's just not that's not what I expected I thought I was actually being you know uh, recruited by these guys heavily and then um obviously I was playing with the Galaxy Academy so I had that set up going and there was people 
who were telling me, oh, like this school's interested in you, this school's interested in you, they want to come see you at a showcase. And uh, I had kind of messed up, I think it was the time, messed up my shoulder. So I was being, I was pushed back, probably it was, let's say September, and we had the showcase around December. So I was like mid-September, so about a month and a half to get back into it. And I was pushing myself to get ready for the showcase. And I got back a few days before that, and physically I was out of shape, but I was like, you know what, these guys are coming to see me, it's going to be exciting, it's going to be amazing. But then I think in, in within that process, you start, trying things that aren't within your I guess your character as a player or you start doing things that you want to put it on camera when the situation of the game is not really calling for that and I remember playing in a game and I was I was telling myself look any cross that comes in whether it's in my six yard box whether it's whatever it is I'm going to expand my range I'm going to come get it um, any shot that comes in I'm going to you know do my best to make it theatrical do you know as best as I can showtime showtime yeah <laughs> and um, it was that like trying to just for that moment and trying to do something spectacular that really screwed me up and you know created more obstacles for me and uh, I remember there's a cross that came in and it was going to the far post and we just saw it with Loris today it was like going to the far post clearly going out of bounds and I like ran it all the way down the entire team was already almost jogging back to, to their side and I like tapped it and I put it out for a corner and I'm like on the ground getting up and I look at my mom and my dad who were sitting there watching like what are you doing <laughs> and I got up and I'm like bro I'm a superstar and all that and then so we were up we were up like 4-0 and then second half I kid you not the other team they it was IMG Academy but it, they weren't very good the guy got the ball he turned at midfield and I'm like oh shit I am 25 yards 30 yards <laughs> oh, off my call <laughs> and this dude turns and blasts it over my head he scores and we ended up winning 5-1 but again all the coaches that I remember watching like uh, Stanford UCLA right. Berkeley all these right. guys that were there I remember seeing them get up off their chair and leave right after right. and I'm like Dude, all of that shit, all the hard work, everything that I ever wanted to do, now all of a sudden is just completely like gone. And so after that, I had, I think, only UC Irvine, who was like kind of, they were considering me, they were a little interested, but nothing too crazy. And then UC Irvine, I remember I called them and I said, hey, can I come in to, you know, meet the coach? I go in to meet the coach, I sit down with him. First thing he says is like I see I see my name on the board and I'm like number three on the goalkeeper like death chart of like right. who they want to who they want to get, uh -huh. and he was like Omar look uh, we like you but we just think you're too soft, and I was like what does that mean? And he's like no seriously like we watch you play we just think you're too nice like you don't you don't really have much personality out there you're just somebody who's kind of a pushover and you're just too nice so I don't we don't really see you being our number one guy right now. And like two weeks later, I sent him an email. I was like, guys, I, whatever it is that I can do to get into the school, I right. don't care. And they're like, we have no money. They're giving me all the reasons. Like you go through a breakup, they're giving you all the reasons to just not even want to be a part of the, the right. relationship. Of and I was like, I don't care. I don't, I don't need money. Just get me into the school. They're like, ah, academics is pretty tough right now. <laughs> I was just like, bro, I'm literally selling myself to you guys. Just let me come. And then uh, like two weeks later, one of my friends was like, dude, I'm going to, to Davis and I'm doing a camp there. You should come. And I was like, uh, dude, I'm I don't know, I'm probably going to UC Irvine, we'll see. And he's like, just come. And I go, and, and at that point, Irvine texted me, and they were like, hey, we're, we have no money for you, we can't get you in the school, sorry. It was like my last option was Davis, like my senior year. And I'm in like the car, my mom was like, we did like a little prayer, she was like, I hope to God that like this is a situation for, for you, and God, if this is a situation for Omar to go to Davis, like please have him do well, did well. And then like a week later, they called me, and they said, hey, we want you to come to Davis. But it was just like, at that point, like you're saying, it's like you don't really, you kind of just go with whoever gives you the offer at some points, and you kind of just say, I, I don't know anything about Davis either. Right. They said, yeah, it's a UC school. I was like, okay, like whatever. And I right. get there, and I'm like realizing, oh, crap, okay, academics are pretty hard here. Right. So I went like, instead of going to biochemistry, which was what I was thinking at one point, I, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I remember you studying. You, you uh, didn't do it too well. <laughs> I switched to communications after my first class. <laughs> I decided. I said, "Look, this is not for me. Biochemistry is a little bit too difficult. Uh, I think my 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 ideas in my mind are best used on the soccer field. So let me let me keep it keep it rested." Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's I tell that whole story because like at some points coaches will like probe you and say hey this is where we want you to come and then at some points they just say mm, you know we don't just sit anymore we found somebody else you dragged your feet you weren't proactive and as soon as you're not proactive someone steps in and takes that uh, position so like you're saying you kind of have to be proactive but also to try to find a school that is going to fit your style yeah and i think uh there's more people are more re- really involved in their recruiting process more now than i think before is in like their awareness of things to look for and to, what questions to ask and the the research that I think goes into the recruiting process. You know, I follow a couple of people on Twitter and it's they're always constantly talking about like questions to ask coaches and the recruiting process and what to look for. And, you know, I did some research on some basic things, but really it came down to like, you know, obviously location and the academics is important. Yeah. But the one thing I feel like on every player's mind is like the the level of play and then and then, you know, uh, the, the soccer like that's obviously our priority and I understand those things are priorities but I do think that the value of the education and making sure it's conducive to what you want to go into and you know if they have a good program great if it's not the strongest program that's okay too I mean just make sure that it's the right fit for you but yeah. I do think that the priority the game changer for me at least was the the level of interest because we all we all we all like being uh, <laughs> wanted so yeah and what were some of your insecurities as a player going and not going into college but like maybe in the recruiting process I think we always try to compare whether it's our teammates or in the academy system we're comparing ourselves to guys we play against so like right. were there any things any things that you noticed about yourself and you said damn I'm really struggling in these areas and vice versa you can ask, answer that first second part would be like what were some things that you said damn I could really hang my head on these parts of my game that I think coaches are really looking at yeah so like I think I think one of the things that uh, I had struggled with at times was just like the physicality, the physical part of the game. I wasn't the strongest player, and I tried to use my my technical ability and my ability to read the game. So I think that's one thing that, and when I got to college, I was quite shocked at. You know, it's like college is like starting high school over again. You know, you're you're a freshman, and mm-hmm. and the physical part of it and the speed of play was was at times a little overwhelming for me. So I think that was one area where I, I wouldn't say is insecure, but just definitely noticed the difference. So. And then what was the second question again? No, just so just the physic the physicality was a tough yeah. one for you. Yeah, yeah, it it was, and I think it, it I think part of it was just the way our team was playing as well. Uh, we we were a bit more direct to college. I think we um, you know we we put a little more emphasis on that part of the game, and I don't think it was as conducive to some of my strengths. But yeah. again, you have to you have to adapt, and that's that's your environment. And if yeah. you're there, you need to figure out a way to to make it work. Yeah, what were the, some of the things that you said? Okay, look, I'm adapting and I'm adjusting, but I can't lose this part of my game. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've always been big on my technical development, the the basics, really. I, I always found ways to still do those some individual work on my own, whether it was after game when I maybe didn't play or, or maybe in the off season I was always doing trainings with guys when we were off, we had time off, or just, you know, in little moments where we had some downtime and I found ways to get those touches in, and I feel like, at the college soccer level, um, there is development there, but the focus is we need to win games. It's about it's about getting results, and and of course in, in the academics, are you going to be able to graduate? So, for me, I knew that those things were such a priority because 
at that next level, which was my goal to play at the next level, you definitely had to have that. And at times I felt like I was missing that as a player through my development at Davis. So I really wanted to hone in on like the technical part, the individual technique and exercises and trainings to make sure I'm still kind of staying sharp in that area. Uh, you know, I, my plan was, I would say my first two years, almost the f- three years as well, my, f- you know, freshman and sophomore year, I was not, I wasn't playing as consistent as I wanted and seeing other guys playing more really motivated me and saying, Hey, if these guys are playing, they're getting experience. So for me, I was like, I got to do more. I got to do the at least match what they're doing and need to do more in order to, to at least maintain what's going on. So for me, that was my approach, like mentally, but I've always been obsessed with like improvement, whether it's on the soccer field or learning, like when it came to school, that's where I really became passionate about like school and learning. I became super competitive by like my sophomore, junior year of college because I started seeing school and learning like soccer. And I realized people were as competitive as in the classroom as they were on the, the against my teammates or in a game. And for me, I treated school like soccer. So I was like, I was competing. I wanted to have the best grade. I want to get the highest grade on everything and so on. So for me, it was like, I really want, I've always been interested in learning and improvement. So I think that's been a unique kind of thing that's been part of my life. And it's always been kind of, it's part of a, it's been ingrained into me. So that's, that's what I think helped me be successful um, throughout my, my career. What do you think some of the habits were that you had to form once you kind of had that realization? Yeah, um, I, I mean, just, just really prioritizing, like, what do I want? You know, you ha- if you really – a habit for me was just making sure that I'm prioritizing the things that I want in my life. And for me at the time was obviously soccer and being successful in school. I knew at the time, you know, I, I wanted to have relationships and do these social um, – as I got older, going out, deciding when to go out, you know, and just balancing the, the extra things that are fun to do but – ultimately I knew that it wasn't going to be, um, help me reach the goal as fast as I wanted to. So I just, I just knew that my time management and my priority, my priorities had to be a little bit, uh, realigned. And then that really helped me kind of shape my, my kind of my path, my foundation. Yeah. And I remember even like the nutrition side of things, like you were always going to the nutritionist and saying, look, this is what I'm eating. This is the food that they have at like the dining commons. What can I take from what, from there and how can I fit it into my nutrition? Do you think still like nowadays players are overlooking the nutrition side? I think what's good about the nutrition is there's so much, I think there's more platforms and awareness to the benefits of nutrition and, um, ways to to get information so like obviously on tiktok you can go to instagram twitter i mean there's so many different avenues and ways and not only that just the the simplicity of accessing the information is there whereas i think before is a little bit harder to so i i do think these things are becoming more accessible accessible but also people understand the value in that and as me as a player i always wanted to have like the things that i can control i always wanted to be like above everyone so my nutrition my I always pride myself on fitness I was always the top I won almost at least when I played professionally I won most uh, almost all of them I lost <laughs> one uh, fitness test and the guy was insane but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling you you should be wearing sleeves right now we were looking man we haven't seen you in a while they should wear short sleeves all of our friends are here are watching yeah. we saw the guns underneath there so I think we'd see the nutrition and the fitness has been been continuous uh, after your career yeah, well, after watching uh, Armando on the podcast, really inspired me. So, uh. <laughs> I know again the cameras you can't see Armando's right there behind the camera celebrating. Uh, it is a Davis reunion. We are back. Uh, Matt Sheldon could not make the trip. We did not invite him, um, but it's okay. It's okay. We had to make some tough cuts uh, for the for the <laughs> for the group. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's the, like you're saying, it's it's so accessible. A lot of people can find it out there, but it's just finding a way to, I guess, maybe change your perspective. We all want it. And I remember reading a quote that I, it hit home for me. It was like, we all can get onto the field. We can all play extremely hard in the, the competitive nature of playing against people who want it as bad as you. We can all rise up to that level in that moment, but it's the stuff off the field that you don't take care of, whether it's nutrition, whether it's preparation, whether it's hydration, all the things that are going to be in like the 90th minute that separates you. So you feel like that was probably something like a cornerstone of your of your game. Yeah, no, definitely. And and you have to, I mean, if you, this is your goal, if you want to play at that high level, you want to play at the professional level, like why not? Like there's no reason not to do those things. And and when you do those things, you'll see it. I mean, the, the, when I was playing with teammates, like there was guys that were similar to me who were interested in being consistent about their diet. And those guys that were as serious and you could, you could tell, I mean, they, you can just see it in training and games. They couldn't make it. Sometimes can make it through a full game, you know, whatever. It's, it's just, it, those, those are small differences that can, that might make the the difference between you being a starter or not. Is that hey, he can't last my ninety minutes, so maybe we don't start him. Maybe we bring him on as a sub. You know, so th- there's a lot of factors that go into it. But if it's something you can control, I highly recommend doing everything you can to control it and give yourself the best opportunity. Yeah, you started playing. You probably you played pretty consistently, and maybe not the starter all the time at Davis, but you played a decent amount consistently. What was like? You, you said recognizing, hey, I'm not starting, I'm not playing, but still I need to get the same amount of fitness and can, you know not take those moments of uh, not playing as like I can relax and stuff like that. You're still getting the work after the games and stuff. So what were those moments like? Was someone whispering in your ear, hey, stay fit just in case, or was that more internal? Yeah, it was a bit of both. I'd say mostly internal, but you know, my parents were always super supportive of of everything, and they just told me you got to keep working, you got to keep you got to keep pushing. But for me, it was that internal. I was, I think players. Some players have a hard time uh, channeling their frustration into positive, you know, positive energy. And for me, I wanted to use that frustration as fuel. So, like, if I did, like, I remember a game. It was a UCLA game, and we played a home game. and We beat them, and I don't remember what exactly happened, but I remember the head coach had told me something that I was gonna play, or I don't know. I it seemed like there was. I don't know if it was a personal thing at the time or whatever, but I know I didn't play and it hurt so bad because I just saw obviously us winning and then it was a, it was like the most fans I think we've ever had at a game. And I didn't just do this after UCLA, but just it, this game in particular stood out to me. But after every game I wouldn't play a lot, I would go to um, Howard Field and I would go and run. And I would just start doing work like a workout. Like I, I tried to do sprints that replicated the game because my tra- my thought process was the guy in front of me just played a full full game. His fitness increased and mine didn't. So I was like, I got to get better. I got to at least maintain that. So and the same thing was in, was playing professionally. Obviously, we had more people kind of regulating our fitness, but I I was the same way. Like man, if I don't start, like I'm gonna push myself after the game. I'm gonna work. So. Yeah, that's kind of really what helped me try to stay kind of in line. But my internal motivation was my goal was to be a professional and I knew that it was going to take time. But if I didn't do these things now, it wasn't going to help me create the the kind of mentality that I need to get to that next level. Yeah, you said something that's really important. I feel like regulating yourself when no one else is watching it, like it needs to mean more to you 
than anybody else. And if when you start looking at the players who outlast other people, not just in games, but in their careers mm -hmm. and in life, really, in business right. and all that stuff, like they regulate themselves because they know that, yeah, this work that I'm putting in, in the short instant gratification time, it's not going to benefit me as much because right. no one's watching me at Howard Field. Right. Like if you were doing it to just show off to the coach, you'd like after the final whistle, you're doing wind sprints down the field. That's one thing. But I think like, you actually saying, I'm going to grab a ball, a, a ball back, go out to the field. I'm just going to run. No one's going to see me. And then putting in that work, yeah. regulating yourself in that sense, I feel like those small marginal gains at the end of the day will start to add up and add up and add up, whether in life or throughout the season. Right. Yeah. What about you? I know you, you had a really interesting uh, journey into the position of goalkeeper and a lot of some injuries, but like, was there a time when you weren't obviously playing just some, like, were you struggling mentally or like, what were the things that worked for you to overcome so maybe some, some doubts or? The worst part is I've always been a starter. So like that was for me, even like my freshman year, I came in and it was like captain's practice and I broke my wrist. So I mentally already checked out. I said, ah, okay, I'm not going to play this year. I'm in a red shirt. So right away, it was kind of just like, okay, I can take some time off. I've always been that kind of guy, unfortunately, when I was younger of like, oh, I worked extremely hard. That means I can eat whatever meal I want. Right. Or, like you've earned it. Yeah, I've earned it. It's really what it was. Like, okay, we just finished Ramadan or like I just fasted all day. Now I'm going to go crazy with this food. Like that's just how I was. I always had, I wanted that like reminder that, okay, you can work hard tomorrow, but you're going to get that uh, um you're going to get that reward at the end of the day. And I feel like when I got to Davis, I was very fortunate because I was going to redshirt. Mm -hmm. I had a broken wrist still. Right. So they said, hey, we're going to have uh, surgery. We're going to take care of you after the season. So just keep on you know, taping it up. And then probably a few games into the season, the starting goalkeeper goes down with a concussion. Yeah. Yeah, and then like... Oh, that was a whole crazy It was crazy. Thing. Like three days later, not three days later, like three or four games later, um, Tommy goes up for uh, the goal, second yeah, goalkeeper, yeah, comes yeah, out yeah. for a cross. He gets undercut and then lands on his shoulder. And so right away, it, I went from like, okay, I'm going to relax, chill and do nothing to all of a sudden I'm the starter. So for me, it wasn't even like a moment of like, oh, I need to work hard to become the starter. It was like, I'm chilling, I'm redshirting, it's not a big deal. But all of a sudden now I'm being called, but there's no pressure on me now. Right. So then I became the starter and then was the starter the rest of yeah. my time at Davis. But still, like we had other guys. Uh, Chris was probably a little bit more uh, like set in his ways of regulating. Chris Schultz was very regulated on his like workout regimen and all that stuff. Yeah, then yeah. Armando obviously came in. He was not really much of a threat to me. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really think of him as a threat. <laughs> He did some good showtime, though. He did some good showtime. He was the the guy in training that you just go, oh my god, this guy's gonna win every single like every single game because he was just so competitive. But uh, no, I'm just kidding, Mondo. I love you. He's actually hell of a forward. <laughs> he is a great forward. Um, but no, to to kind of full circle answer your question, I think that there was still a lot of things for me that didn't necessarily like I wasn't punished for not doing those things. But then obviously, you know, life, uh, life's. Um, you finish your college setup mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you start realizing, okay, I need to get a real job. And like my life is transitioning into this, into the real world. Yeah. And I think once you start transitioning into the real world, no one is, no one's going to care about your progression in life or regulate you as much as you need to regulate yourself. And I had so many jobs that I took cause I wanted like, I want to just make, I want people to see me and say, Omar makes a lot of money. So I was doing insurance and they sold you the dream. I remember sitting there going, I'm about to make a million dollars. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then you actually start, oh crap, I actually have to do some selling here. I have to like write down my contacts. It's my entire family. Well, yeah, I have to actually go to work. <laughs> yeah, I have to actually go to work. But that's, that's where I feel like the challenges, which if you don't regulate yourself, and I keep using that word because mm -hmm. I love it, but it's like, if you don't take care of your stuff while you're in a structured position, when you're out of that structure, 
you are the one who creates the structure. And mm-hmm. if you don't have the proper foundational pieces right. to start building that up, the whole world feels like it's crumbling. Yeah. But I feel like I was fortunate, luckily at the time, it was like my parents said, hey, come work for us. And then I said, sure. So again, my dad was my boss. So there's still a little bit of like not real world just yet. Yeah. And then after that, I went back to Davis, did some, you know, uh, coaching there, mm-hmm. found a little bit of love for coaching. But still, when I came back home, I was kind of just like, I'm going to do uh, these jobs. They're going to make me a lot of money. Right. And in the end, I had no expertise. I had no knowledge of these things, let alone a foundation of how to actually build a career in these fields. Right. And then as things started to progress, my parents were like, look, we understand that you're doing these jobs to make money. Stop. Like start doing things you actually love. Even if the money's not there, just start it. We'll support mm-hmm. you. We have a house here. Like yeah. you, you don't have to pay rent. Just do all that. Yeah. And I said, sure. But again, that was the adversity that I started realizing internally, like, oh my God, all the shortcuts I've taken up until this point are catching Catch up, up to me. And you can you can lie to yourself for a week, a month, maybe even like two, three months. But after a while, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I just I just told Elliot that I just worked out today when in reality I haven't done shit. Uh, I just told these guys that I'm making this much money when in reality it's not. And you start looking at yourself in the mirror like, who are you, bro? Like, why are right. you why are you lying to people? And eventually that catches up to you and you have to sit down and say, look, I need to create a a system that is going to make me happy. It's not going to be perfect right away, but like start building the habits and, f- and characteristics that I want. Mm. And still, like I wasn't perfect, but you start figuring things out and layering parts of your personality start improving. Right. And you say, look, maybe I'm not the, somebody who likes to go to the gym very often, but maybe I go for 10, 15 minutes, set, you know, start on the treadmill and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where I started realizing, let me just dip my foot in a little bit and it won't be as scary or as threatening as I thought it was going to be. Right. And then you start realizing, oh my God, I belong here. Oh my God, I can actually do these things. And I feel like through Pro GK and everything, I found something that I love. but you have so much adversity and challenges that I feel like I wish I had learned while I was a player and I think I did but I never really was uh, sharp enough or aware enough self-aware enough to be like this is happening to me how can I sit in this for a few minutes or a a few weeks and say I can take these lessons and extract Mm -hmm. them and use it for my personal life yeah so it kind of sounds like obviously your lessons maybe came a little bit later than than mine at times like you know I think my Mine may have come earlier in college or, or maybe even before, but obviously you're, I think everyone's on their, obviously their unique path and, and the timing of things happen in a unique way. But do you think, do you wish maybe that you weren't thrown into it right away at Davis and that you maybe had those challenges yeah. earlier on? Like, Yeah, I think I read, I read a, a quote from Steve Jobs and he says like, as you go through life, you can't really connect the dots. It's only when you look back that you start to connect the dots. Right. And I feel... To answer your question, I, I felt that as I looked back, I probably needed a little bit more adversity and a little bit more of just somebody getting into my face. And I had people like that. I'm not saying I didn't, but I think just saying, hey, you're not going to play this week because this guy has outplayed you and just constant reminders of that. I think that would have been great. But I feel like my talent, like how I played the position, mm-hmm. I was able to mitigate some of the challenges that I had. I'm slow, right? I'm not the fastest guy. My like first step isn't very fast. But I recognize, well, if we play a decently high line, I need to start about 20, 30 yards off my line. Right. Just because I need to make up that ground faster than somebody else, maybe like Chris was who and Armando, mm-hmm. who were a lot faster, right. who can make up that ground faster and have a deeper starting position. Yeah. But I always found ways to not take shortcuts, but what is something that I'm faced with that I can't do very well? What's a challenge? Mm-hmm. And how can I find the quickest shortcut to alleviate that adversity from my life? And I feel like I read this quote one time and I wish I never read it. But if you want something done fast, give it to the laziest person and they will find the okay. fastest and most efficient way to do it. And I felt like that was my life 
in school. That was my life. Don't laugh at the school part. We have Aggie here who I've, I've cheated off of multiple times in school. God bless you. Um, but no, there was those moments where you never, you don't, I got caught here and there and like I got in trouble and I stumbled, but the obstacles in my opinion weren't enough to deter me from making a lifestyle change, I think. Yeah, it wasn't maybe severe enough, or maybe just at the time you you, know, you weren't obviously maybe emotionally ready to to make that change. And no, you, but you, I think the thing is, is that like you you spend the most time with yourself, right? So if you can fool yourself and continue to tell yourself life is good, we're chilling, we're by the skin of our teeth, we're making it, then you can just say you can get by as long as you want. But then eventually, when like you're not the only person that you are. Um, responsible for it's like more of like look I'm a part of this team I'm working for this company and if I don't carry my share I'm bringing the whole team down with me right. and those were the things I think that I didn't take personally as even as a player because I was like I, we're still getting some results here and there so like the things that I'm doing off the field haven't really affected the team that much and I'm just doing just enough to be seen as someone who's like providing to the team where I can continue keeping my starting position so I think yeah I think if I look back I wish there maybe was something that, not catastrophic, but something that happened to me that made me go, shit, man, I wish I would do this a little bit differently. But look, catastrophic, there's injuries, right? There's some that like last a few weeks, some that last a year. Yeah. You, I remember going into your senior year, I, had a gro- I think it was a knee injury, maybe knee. junior year, and then knee. groin too, no? Knee was, uh, junior year was the groin, and then okay. the knee was my senior year. Yeah, and... The groin was a weird one, and we'd been trying to figure it out for, like, almost two months, and I went to see this chiropractor. Shout out Conti for uh, the recommendation. (laughs) Told me this guy's a guru. He was, (laughs) and went there, and he's like, oh, like, yeah, this is easy. I was like, you just had a spasm or something. You just needed to be, like, released, and he he just did, you know, he did an adjustment, and he's like, oh, yeah, go play, and I'm like, what? He's like, oh, try sprint right here. And I sprinted and like, and I did some shy shuffles. And he's like, I'm like, oh, I don't have any pain. He's like, yeah, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. He's like, I could have fixed this um, months ago. <laughs> like, oh my God. I remember going out to Howard Field and playing kick the ball. I couldn't believe it. I was just like <laughs> crying while I was running around. But, uh, and then my knee, I know I got into a 50 50 challenge with a player in training. And my, I don't know, it was my knee wasn't locked enough or whatever. And I kind of sprained my, my MCL. So that, that was tough. And I'd come back with maybe two or three games. And, and I think that also really, again, motivated me to really want to keep pushing. And like, I'd been out and I missed a good, good chunk of my senior season. And it was just, it was hard. It was, it was really tough emotionally. But again, I knew that I knew I was good enough to play at a higher level didn't know how high but i knew that there was something there that i could do and i just had to really stick with it what were some of the struggles was it just like i need i want to get back as quickly as possible did you feel like a piece of your identity was gone because it was the senior year and like you had played already so it wasn't yeah. like you could have a medical redshirt or anything yeah i think uh yeah i just think that that you know i i had given so much to the sport and not being able to play that last part of your potential season and I knew that, you know, it was it was really just I I've never any injury I've had, I've never been one to like think about like rushing it. I've always been someone who and I advocate this to all players to say, like, f- follow the process, listen to the trainers, listen to the PT, listen to the experts. You know, I'm not a medical expert. If some trainer who has knowledge in these areas and these things, like I'm going to most likely listen to them uh, and being paid like you have to be patient. The last thing I ever I've ever wanted to because the way I look at it was. If I listen to the people that are experts in, in you know, physical therapy, uh, medical doctors, recovery, et cetera, if I listen to them and I get hurt, 
again or so if something happens at least i at least i knew internally that i had i had followed what was recommended but if i had, i always like oh come back faster or be doing extra stuff on the side whatever that i'm not supposed to be doing it's like you've, you're the only one to blame yeah. so i just i try to minimize the stress and really just say look if i follow what they i should do and if it's if it if i do get hurt again or something then that was meant to happen for whatever reason uh so so yeah that that's really my kind of approach to these things so yeah okay so uh one thing that I feel I liked about you, similar to oh, like Matt Sheldon and even Armando, mm. it was like you guys had so many obstacles that uh, you had to face going into your pro career. Mm-hmm. And I know after this, after the senior season, what was the outlook for professional and kind of what was a, what were the next steps for you? Yeah, so as soon as I finished uh, Davis, I knew Fresno at the time was going to be the best environment for me to go back and train in. I had some people there. I had a friend um, named Milton, Milton Blanco. He was doing a lot of trainings. He was also uh, playing professionally as well, but he was kind of getting to the end of his career. And we would train together. We were training partners. We always trained together. And sometimes it would just be him and I, one on, you know, just one-on-one training. Sometimes we'd have other guys come in town. It would just kind of be a variety of different things. Some college guys, some former pro guys, some off-season pro guys. So I was always in that environment and just training and training and training. And my first experience, and actually Alex Aggie, Aggie was there. Uh, we went to, we got invited to go to trial with a Sac Republic at their open trial. And that's when Preki was the first season. So we went to the Davis Legacy Fields. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good environment. There's some great players. Uh, a lot of guys got signed from there, but we both unfortunately didn't make it at the time. And, you know, I mean... It, you knew I could I per for myself at least I felt like there was some I was ready but it I was still missing some things to really make that next level jump so that was really interesting uh, part of my first that was really my first professional kind of environment after that I wanted to I really wanted to obviously keep going I was trying to figure out how how do I get into a pro team or how do I become a pro and thankfully I had Milton and some people in Fresno that were really just well connected and pro experience telling me to go to combines, go to trainings, and, you know, the different areas where you're in front of this coaches. So I was training. I went to a bunch of combines. I went to, like, PSC, Pro Soccer Consulting Combines. I went to Ventura County Fusion, holds a lot of combines. Yep. And I went to a bunch of them. I went to, like, probably four or five, and just nothing really panned out. The only time, actually, the one did pan out was uh, the Ventura County Fusion Combine. I played well, and Tulsa Roughnecks, their first season – as a team, their inaugural season, the head coach came up to me, hey, I want to invite you to preseason. So I was like, yeah, it's my first, like, man, I've never been to preseason with a pro club. It was really exciting. So I went there. I was there for like over a month and a half. And it, it was tough because the first, pretty much the whole time there, aside from like maybe the last week, we were training indoors because it was still snow and it was cold. And they're still figuring stuff out, especially as a brand new, pro, uh, brand new team in, in the USL Championship. So... It was going well. Did some preseason games. I was, but I was playing as a center mid. I was going out as a center mid at the combines. I was playing as a center mid because I deep down at the time I was like, oh, I'm a center mid. I'm not an outside yeah, yeah. back. And so I did well. I was the last. It was it came down to the last week before the season started, and I got cut. Last player to be cut. And man, it hurt so bad. Like it just, it just killed me. I was there, like I said, a month and a half training doing well just on my own dime you know you're paying for everything I mean they put me in a room but still everything else was like it's just on me you know it was a, you was taking a huge investment and it was just it was so hard and I came home I was down and thankfully I use again I was always found ways to use that energy in a positive manner for fuel yeah yeah for fuel and so 
it just motivated me more. And from there, I went to a different combine with PSC, and they told me to. They're like, hey, we want to. Oh, sorry, no. The assistant coach for Tulsa really was a part owner of PSC. His name's Tom Taylor. Tom was like, hey, you know, I really liked you at Tulsa. Obviously, it wasn't my final decision, but I would like you to come on our trip to go to Sweden. Uh, or they take a showcase team. It's like a go and play teams in Sweden from with PSC. So it was really nice. They paid for my uh, paid for my flight. I just had to pay for my hotel and food, which is awesome. So they they I knew they were invested in me to an extent. They believed in me, so that showed that you know I hey like they really believe in me. I believe in myself when I go here. Got to got to Sweden. Took one we you know one day one day of just getting there and kind of settling in. The next day we had a game against uh, Odebro SK who is plays in Alsvenskan, which is the the Premier League of of Sweden. We actually played their U18s, who's still a very very good team. We ended up I ended up showing really well that game. I was playing center mid still and there was a bunch of coaches there. Went and played a couple more games. The coach one of the coaches that was there came to another game and within about 2 weeks he's like, "Hey, I want to bring you in on a um, trial. We have a game. We have a scrimmage tomorrow." So I was like, "Okay." And this is a third division club called Ixolts. It's hard how to spell it. Ixlux IK. And they played in a small town, probably twenty or thirty thousand people. It's like a local, it's like a town club, but yeah. you know, still considered professional level. It was third division. And got to Sweden, was was enjoying it, did well in the game. I think I had a goal and assist. Was just was just really feeling good. And they're like, hey, we want to sign you. And I was like, man, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like shocked. So that was pretty crazy how fast that happened. And I'm glad obviously I took the chance to go there. The team was in uh, a rel- so they have you know promotion relegation. They were in a relegation zone, and came in. We really did help transform the kind of the culture there and bring in you know some some firing power and some help. I was actually another American that signed with me, and we actually ended up getting relegated. We ended up losing. So it was a, it was a really cool experience because I've never been part of promotion relegation. The intensity and like the just the whole environment. Like you tell yeah. people are on edge and like this is so big to the club in town. And obviously losing didn't wasn't a great feeling, but it was also unique in being part of that because we don't have that obviously here in the United States. So that was my first taste of I guess you know European soccer. So it, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, and you said they're the last person cut in Tulsa. Yeah. Well, how how long between that? I guess you you lost that opportunity, and then the the Sweden opportunity. Like, was there enough time for you to process everything, or was it like quick? So I went to Sweden in. What was it? It was almost like almost a year later because I got to. Well, I would know. I was sorry. I was playing with Fresno Fuego, which is a P- P- PDL team it was similar to comparable to USL. Or this old PDL, but now it's called the USL League Two, it's amateur league. A lot of college guys playing it. So I played there for the summer, and then I went to in August. I left to Sweden, and that was about a little over halfway of their season in Sweden because they take a break, and then. Once I got there, you know, so yeah, it, I had played some with a PDL, got some, got some more experience, and then I went over there to play. So that was really good. And then once, once uh, the season ended, I flew home, and my they I wasn't gonna go back. Not that I have a great experience, but it's just I think their situation with the club and just some other things that were going on that I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm look for something else. Then PSC again helped me get a. I got to go trial with a team in Ireland called Finn Harps, and they just got promoted to the Irish Premier League. So uh, that was really cool. And I also went to go trial with um, uh, Cork City, who's also a really big club in Ireland. And 
you know the the Premier League in Ireland's pretty. I mean, it, it's good. It's it has a lot of history. Like Shamrock Rovers are in there. You know, um, Dundalk, who's a, been a Champions League, Europa League. Some of these teams are all been Champions League qual uh, champions and Europa League. So really cool. Was with Finn Harps, man. It was it was really hard. I was there in January, and it was just freezing cold. The it was I mean the rain. It, it was just a different environment. And the town I was in was like a really it's called Bally Bally Buffon Bally Buffon. I can't remember how to say it, but it was this small town, and it was just cold and dark and like it was just hard for being from California to go to Ireland. And Ireland's a beautiful country, but just my my experience there just it's just because it was related to soccer was not a really pleasant one. And I trained with them, I played in the scrimmage uh, with them, you know, and and I think they're still in the the top division. I'd have to check, but that was. It was hard because there's again I think there's their style from what from at least the team I was with very direct very fast uh, very strong I mean man they the ta- the tackling the physicality was just on a whole different level it was it was just a lot and and you know that that was the style and that and that's that's again you have to be you have to adapt to your environment so everyone obviously every environment is going to be different so but yeah so after that I came back I was there for about two months. And I played PDL again. I was playing with Fresno Fuego, and we had an amazing season. We were a top. We were one of the conference. We were, we were an excellent team. We the unique, the great thing about Fresno Fuego was we've always either had guys that are ready to play pro or have played pro, or you know, are, um, just just a, a really really good pool of players. We've always been, and so it's been a great place for me to develop around a lot of uh, a lot of senior guys, a lot of young players or up and coming players. So a lot of good college players bringing in guys from out of town. So it was just a really a really high level environment to be training yeah. in and playing games. And at the time, my my teammate Christian Cheney was getting scouted by Sac Republic. So. The head, the head assistant coach at Sac Republic at the time, his name's Adam Smith. He was coming to our games, and uh, he was he really liked the team. We always played we in preseason with Fresno Fuego. We always played uh, pro teams, so we played New York Cosmos. That's when uh, uh, what's his name Raul, no? Raul, Raul was yeah. there, and then we played Sac Republic. We actually played FC Adarat, who was a team from Armenia. So we had we played a lot of preseason games, but every time we played Sac Republic, they called the Highway 99 Derby. But we we were tied with it. We were actually beating them the whole game until the last like two minutes of the game. They scored on us. And we we lost some penalties. But like we were competing with like that was the quality of our team. We 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 were a pro level team. We just weren't officially pros. But their coach really liked our team. It was so close down the road. So they established the head coach at the time established uh, a relationship with our head coach and our staff. So they our head coach uh, Sean Lanigan had gone up to to Sacramento to learn from them and come back. And but at the end of the season. I was I was always watching Sac Republic because I knew how close they were, and I saw their captain Emmer Clementa blew his he did his ACL his ACL was done, and then I was watching their games and I was like, man, every single game they've played was there was a new right back every single game, and they were struggling at the time they were like number one in conference, but they still were like they were they're struggling or they're dropping some games, and I think late like late July. Early August, a couple weeks after our PDL season, I reached out to Sean and I just seen the lineup kept changing. I was like, man, they don't have an outside back. And then and at Fuego, that's time I was play, that was my first time really playing outside back. I was consistent and I was I was doing really well. I was I was felt like I was just I was playing my best soccer I played. So I call I call Sean and I say, hey, call call Sac Republic, call call their coach and say, listen, 
just give this guy a chance. Just just give him a chance to come in and train. Because I just knew, I was like, if they give me that chance, I can I can make the team. So he's like, okay, I'm going to call Adam. He calls Adam. He's like, hey, Adam, uh, I wanted to ask you about Elliot. Da, 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 da. He's like, he's like, really? He's like, because I was just about to call you about Elliot. And he's like, no way. I just got off the phone with him. He's like, yeah, we want to, uh, we want to bring him in for a trial. This was on a Sunday, I think. Cause they just played the night before. And that's when I was watching. He calls me back. He's like, yeah, hey, you know, Adam just told me he was going to call, call me about you. And I was like, you're kidding me. He's like, yeah. He's like, he wants you there tomorrow. Can you be up there? I was like, yeah. So <laughs> grabbed all my stuff. Went to uh, my old house at Eureka. I stayed, uh, shout out Brian Ford, Eureka House and all the crew. Went to went to Eureka, stayed the night, woke up, and went straight to uh, Republic Training. They train at uh, Consumers River College in El, uh, in El Grove. Really nice little training setup. And I, I don't know what it was, but I just knew that I was ready. Like, I be- like, my mentality was this wasn't like a nerve-wracking moment. This was like, I belong here. And that was my whole, and I think that's also a big part of like being, making that next jump is like, you have to have the mentality that like, you are good enough. You, there's a reason you're here. Like, you really do believe that you should be here. And that's my approach when I went to training. So I don't know what happened. I was God or whatever it was. But that day, like, I was probably the best player in training. Like, I, I had an amazing training and even the coach and the assistant I spoke to the assistant I still talked to him I spoke to him the other day he lives in Fresno and he's like yeah you had the best training we've seen uh that day and he jokes about it you know but I just came in and killed it like I just knew mentally I was like hey I belong here like I I belong here I deserve to be here there's a reason why I'm here today and then as soon as the training's walk um done I'm walking away and about 10 yards away was uh, Graham Smith who was the the GM and Paul Buckle was the head coach about 10 yards away from me, like, I just heard him say, like, oh, yeah, should we sign Elliot? Like, nah, he's not good enough. He's not good enough. And I kind of look over, and they're both kind of just giving me, like, a smirk. And they're like, come here, come here. And I'm like, oh, do you want to play for the Sac Republic? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, they're okay, we're, we're going to sign you. And I was like, I went from calling my old head coach from Fuego on, on Sunday to driving up Sunday night to trialing for one day and then saying they're going to sign me. And I was like, man, like what, what just happened? It was like a whirlwind, you know? And from then, you know, I mean, there was a lot of stuff obviously happens for, I was there for four seasons, but just the way it happened was like, I had to be proactive in like making sure that I'm looking for my opportunities, but also just, you know, good timing and preparation. Like the other thing was like, I always stayed fit. Like I, my, my old head coach from Fuego, same Scott Alcorn was like, you, as a soccer player, you always have to be ready. Like maybe not 90 minute fit, but you always have to be sharp. And I was still training, but like if I wasn't training or PDL season was over, I was like, oh, I'll take a break, whatever. Like imagine I had taken a break, like time off. And like, then I go to preseason with, or go to trial with Sacramento. And it's like, I wouldn't have been ready, you know? So I think just always constant preparation and being sharp has been, uh, was, would worked out for me really well. And yeah, from there we ended up winning conference. We were conference champions that year, that season. So I, I played the last seven or eight games. I had, I think I finished at within those games at two assists. I won like player, um, player of the week. My last week I was there. Like it was just the last week of the normal season. We go to playoffs. We lose, end up losing first round to OC blues. So like just for all that to happen that fast was just like, it's very surreal. So yeah. Uh, what was uh, I mean? You guys got relegated, obviously, in Sweden. Uh-huh. What was your mentality like once that was done? I mean, did you feel like your ego took a hit of like I'm playing with top club in in Sweden in Europe? Now I'm coming back here playing PDL. Like, what were your emotions? Kind of, did you handle that well? Yeah, I, I, 
I mean, the the level was comparable to the PDO. I would say maybe a little bit higher. Just a different game, though. The 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 emphasis on certain parts of the game were different. I think the the Swedish league was a little like slower play, but very more th- methodical and tactical, and also just the culture and personality there is a little bit like calmer and not as like I guess sometimes I guess intense. Yeah. So I think that had to play a part of it. But no, my mentality was like, man, like okay, I have this good experience. I got some stuff on my resume. Maybe this can help me do well in PDL and then go from there to to my kind of like you know catapult myself into that next next position. So I've never been one to. I've never been someone that I've, I'm confident in myself. But I've never been like, oh, I'm better than this, or like, you know, I'm 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 bigger than this. So, and and to me, that's that's huge. And and I I just I've never been that type of person. I've always tried to stay humble, like chip on the shoulder mentality. And for me, that worked. Yeah, but. yeah. And you have obviously your first season there. You're playing, and you guys get to the conference championship. Conference championship or? Yeah, uh, we won. So we won the regular regular season championship, and then we lo- We ended up going to the first round. We hosted OC Blues, and we ended up actually losing to the penalties. Them. No, or? it was. Uh, yeah, it was penalties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember that? I remember watching it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, <somebody> uh, cry. <laughs> that was rough. But you go into the next season. What were the? Uh, I guess your expectations. Were you like, okay, I'm a starter now, or did you say, look, it's brand new, start from scratch, we gotta, you know, fight for this position again? Yeah, it was. It, it was always. It's always been that like I gotta go in. I gotta be. I gotta work. Like I gotta be ready. Like I cause I don't know who they're bringing in. I don't know what they're thinking. The the hardest, the thing that was tough was my my in the season co- uh, meeting with them after my first my first season was like, hey, we liked you. We want to offer you this contract, but we also like we we want to see more for longer periods. Obviously, so they they like what they saw from the time I was there for about two months, but. Now they're hey, can you be a pro for the whole year? Can mm. you can you maintain your body? Can you can you rise to the occasion? Yeah, yeah major yeah. performance. And and that is like, you know, if there's one thing that I, when I think about professional soccer is the word that sticks out to me is consistency. Like you have to be consistent, and that is the hardest thing day in and day out. Like to be a consistent player. So, uh, yeah, they the end of the season conversation was just like we need to see more, but we like you. We want to keep you around. So. That was kind of initially like, okay, that resonated with me in the off season, working, working, training, doing what I needed to do to prepare. Um, so that was kind of my mentality going into the next, the next seasons. And next season you were like, I don't even want to look at midfield anymore. I'm going to be, I'm going to be right back. And that was your new position and you stuck with it. Yeah. And, and I was, I was a bit fortunate because the coach, uh, Paul Buckle, who his, his style, his principles, his tactics were very conducive to my strengths. Was an attacking outside back. He liked to have some time. Um, you know, we had wingers. We liked to be inverted at times. We played a diamond at times, so I would be the one providing the width. But my strengths was getting up and re- recognizing when to get up, and then my ability to cross the ball was was probably my biggest strength. So, it, it just being part of the right environment too was 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 really important. That's honestly that's a big one. Is that sometimes you. Uh, we talked about it with Armando and and different. Maybe the goalkeeping side is one thing, but the like players who continue to just continue to push forward, right? And say, you know what, I'm not too big for this trial. I'm not too big for this club. I'm not too big for this new team. I'm gonna keep going and going and going. And at the end of the day, if your mentality is like I'm gonna be a pro and that's like what my lifestyle is gonna be, I'm always gonna stay fit. I'm always gonna stay ready to go. You're gonna continue to go, and eventually, there's gonna be a situation where maybe luck, maybe just somebody who you had spoken to a few months prior, and they say, you know what, Elliot, you are somebody that I know would fit in this position. This team is looking for it. I'm gonna put my name in the hat for you. I'm gonna put my name on the line. And I think that that's what I think some players need to do more of is like you just never know 
who is going to be thinking of you at what moments. But if you just stop and you're not playing anymore, they can't think of you. So you just never know what fit's going to happen as long as you just keep pushing forward and your why is strong enough. You're going to probably maybe maybe stumble upon something that's going to be something that's worthwhile for you. Yes, definitely. And and just that that mentality of being being prepared. And again, I'm not saying you have to be, you know, 190 minutes fit ready for the game, but you do need to be ready to go into an environment if you are called upon. So, yeah, and and you know the it, it was great just because it, it really shows that your environment and the people that I've seen so many players come in to, tr- to train with us to come trial and they're great but there are they are pro players but part of it is just timing like do we need that do we really need that player at this time or does this player really fit our coaches uh, wants and desires for the for that team and those guys are they are pro players but maybe at a different time or with a different coach so for me it was it worked out because he liked those things I could have been with a different coach who didn't want an atta- attacking outside back who didn't like to get forward and cross and yeah I think I still could have done it but it would have it wouldn't have played to Mike it wouldn't Your have strengths. showcased me more and and utilized those strengths so I also think that if you're not getting, if you're getting opportunities and things aren't working, like I really do believe that unless they're directly telling like you're just not good enough, yeah. then then it is about preferences and and what style and things and also just timing. Do they have the ability to afford a player? Do we want to increase our roster size? Yeah. What were some of your challenges? You said that you were there for four years. So yeah. what were some of the challenges that you faced along those four years? Because I think. The way it started, and yeah. you know, you coming in with zero expectation. I think as you start making a little bit more of a name for yourself, mm-hmm. and the club looks at you in a, uh, through a different lens of like, this is probably someone we can just automatically team sheet Elliot yeah. Horde right back. We're good. Mm-hmm. So, what were the expectations? And obviously, maybe with more expectation, there's going to be more challenges because you have to live up to those yeah uh, those things. Um, I. I definitely think my, my – so there's a couple of things that stand out. One was my second year. You know, we had another outside back who, who – um, Peter McGlynn, good, really good player. He's actually this Irish guy. Played at Santa Bar- UC Santa Barbara. And he was a very, compl- very different player than me. He was very aggressive, very more of a true stay-home kind of defender. I mean, he, he attacked at times, but – uh, I think there was moments at times where we lacked. I kind of didn't bring that level of like physicality and intensity, and I think certain games uh, the coach had had wanted that. So I think I was battling like, how can I, how can I bring that out into my game? And it's hard because it's every player has their own personality and things to work on, but it just didn't feel as natural to me. So I was trying to maybe at times manage that like expectation of like, well, he does this better, so how can I maybe add mm-hmm. that to my game? Uh, I mean, there's always at Sacramento, there's a, there's the constant pressure of winning. Like you're expected to win. Like you are expected to win. You'd be a top, top one or two teams in conference. You're expected to be going far in open cup. And we, we, I've been on a couple crazy open cup runs, some big games, some, some goals, uh, some fun goals. And assists <laughs> Against the LA Galaxy? Uh, LAFC. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I remember you was in okay. LA. I forget don't, where. Don't do it again. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. So the, no, the, I, there is a pressure there, and and it's a great environment. There's twelve thousand people at most games, and the, I think that was a challenge itself. But um, uh, my third year, I in the off season, I had an injury. I had to get a scope, uh, arthroscopic surgery done to my knee. I had some like it's called a cartilage debridement. Pretty much my it's like a hanging toenail on my on my cartilage on my knee. So anytime I would take squat, go upstairs, bend my knee, push off my leg, it's like a hanging toenail that would just catch and it would just rub and it was causing bruising. So I missed. I was kind of entering preseason in my third season as well with a new coach, Simon Elliott, and Simon was. 
Uh, obviously, he'd seen me, but at the end of the day, if you're not starting preseason with the team, he's going to be having people that he wants and then sure. kind of honing in and, and starting to kind of get the team together. So he had known I'd done. I've been with the club and he'd seen me play, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to pref- what can what can they do for me right now is the priority because this is that's their job. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's job's on the line. So. I had to find my way in. It was tough. I was recovering from the knee injury. I was slowly getting in. I started my first game against Seattle Sounders, their first team. We played a home game against them. It was an open cup. Back first time I started a game from from my injury, and I ended up getting the game-winning assist, and we ended up winning 2-1, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I think Clint Dempsey was playing. There was a couple – I mean, was a, they had a mix of guys, so open cup at the time. They mixed a lot of the players, Sounders, two team, and the first team. Yeah. And and then we go on to the next one, I believe. I think the next one was, yeah, it was LAFC. I think this is my again my third season. And go to LAFC, and we we ended up um, I ended up scoring the first goal against them, and then they score, and then we just go back and forth. We ended up losing three two, but it was actually the at the after that game it was the hardest point it was the hardest thing for me mentally but also the best thing that's ever happened to me as a player because there was i think two of the goals they had got we got we conceded i was it was i was a big part i didn't it wasn't the main reason but i had played a significant role in why we conceded on the goals and it taught me like to like just it taught me the lessons of the position how valuable like these 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 fundamental things are and it really it hurt bad because i knew i was i was at fault but i also had learned the most from that and that's what really i could have taken it negatively and been hard on myself and i was but i also knew as like again back to my always learning like i always want how can i get better like what can i uh, my lens is how can i get better from the situation not how can i get more down on myself so i looked at it i watched it i learned from it and from there i you know i don't i don't really recall making those drastic game-changing mistakes but yeah i mean i think that was hard for me to just find that kind of mentality a way to kind of see the scenario and you know, the, but again, I, I I ended up finding to a way to really make it into a positive. Yeah. So, um, I'm jealous, man. I feel anytime you've been faced with adversity, you find a way to change the perspective and make it more of a positive. And like you said earlier, make it something that you fuel yourself with. But I'm sure there's been moments that, like, within the process of changing the perspective, whatever a day, two days, a week, there is some dark times in there. Oh, 100. percent. Uh, I mean. You know, I don't remember this specifically, but I do. What I do remember is you're, you're. It's a constant conversation, internal conversation with yourself. And I do a lot of self-talk, self, self. You know, visualization. I really try to. I do have a lot of conversations with myself and thinking like, hey, like I know I'm my biggest. I'm like I can be my biggest fan or my worst enemy. And your internal that dialogue with yourself is so important. So I really focused on, you know, trying to understand like be realistic about it like. If, if you messed up, like, understand that that was your reality. Or, like, if a coach says something like, hey, Elliot, you're not ready to be a pro, like, okay. I'm not going to say – I asked him. I always, always ask why. Like, what what am I not doing enough? Or, like, what did you see that was – I always ask feedback. I always – in my classes, if I didn't do well, okay, what, why didn't I do well? Like, looking – always looking back and finding ways to say, okay, don't just point the finger at someone else. Like, take responsibility because ultimately it's on you. And no one's going to care at the end of the day if, as much as you will. So I was like, man, how can I improve? How can I be a better player? How can I be a better person? So 
that was really um i i i really think that was a big part of how i was able to kind of overcome those situations and yeah. then and then my fourth season i don't know it was it, it was the hardest the hardest time in my my professional goal. it was my last year playing professionally but um got got had a great preseason i actually i had probably the best preseason i was playing so well i was getting amazing feedback from the staff it was the same staff so my first two years at sac republic was paul buckle and adam smith as paul buckle the head coach adam smith was the assistant and then my last two years was simon elliott as the head coach and ben zemer as the assistant coach but yeah great preseason was playing well i mean just fourth year with the club you know feeling good people i know everyone fans know who you are da, yeah. da, da. and our first game like i just had a terror i had a bad game really bad game i don't know what it was i just something just mentally at the time i think but it wasn't you know it wasn't like the worst game ever it just wasn't a good game but after that so i don't know what it was but the coach simon uh he he just we had a conversation the next day and then from then he just never really he trusted you he, again. i don't think he trusted me i really don't and he put in other guys, and he gave me he gave me some other opportunities here and there, but not as a defender. He put me more at the outside, like a winger, and I was okay at it. But I think my strength, instead of the winger, when you get the ball as a winger, most people know like you're gonna be trying to go to goal, and like your your run is more obvious to go mm -hmm. to goal. And for me as outside back, the one thing that I felt like was my strength was my ability to recognize deceptiveness. Is this yes, exactly being deceptive in getting into space kind of under the radar mm. and that's what i felt like helped me um be successful in that part of my game so i think as a winger that's where i lack that 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 maybe um urgency or yeah urgency, just maybe creativity at times yeah. i mean so so it, it was it was harder for me but i was in and out of games that season nothing crazy you know some games here and there i mean it wasn't completely out of the situation but you know, we, we were that season we struggled the most we've ever have. Uh, we took, thankfully, we still made playoffs, but we made we were the last place in playoffs. We were number eight. We've never done that as a club, and it was just a tough year. It was a tough year for the team. There was a lot of stress, a lot of um, I think you know you could just sense it from the staff, from the players. It was just it was a tough environment, and that that's a reality of pro sports. Like you got to be able to manage those emotions and find ways to um, kind of de-stress and let those things go, but. I remember like three months, maybe three months left in the season. Uh, I'd gone to a conversation with Simon. I said, hey, I'm trying to understand why, you know, why why am I playing? Well, what do I need to do to get back in the starting line? Like, what is what are these players doing that are playing? Even though we've been either maybe some players are conceding goals on that side or we've been losing things and are going well. Like, what what do you see that is not getting me on the field? You know, why am I not getting a chance? And... You know, I I don't really remember specifically what he said, but at the time, I don't think it was really a direct reason. I just knew that it came down to like we don't, you know, I don't really see you playing anymore for us this year, and I really don't. More or less, I don't really trust you in that position. So, and and that's okay. I wish I think a little more direct about specifically why and what. But look, I mean, he's the head coach. He's gonna have to, he's gonna say and do what he needs to do, and I have nothing against Simon for that. But uh, I just said, okay, well, I want to go and. Uh, I want to go. I need to go play because I wasn't playing. My value, my stock was dropping as a player. So uh, I went to go on trial. I told um, told my uh, my agent said, "Hey, uh, I want to go play somewhere. I got to go playing." Uh, my old coach at from Paul Buckle from Sac Republic was 
it's kind of like a GM in a way, kind of a, um, uh, someone who was working at Hartford Athletic, plays in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. in the championship. So it was a newer team. Uh, went to went to Hartford and played my last two and a half months there. I had four assists in eight games. Wow. And uh, no, I didn't score, but, uh, we, you know, we definitely helped the team, but just I was playing well, you know, and I find my, found my groove back, and it was just it was a unique journey to get there. But, yeah, th- there were some really tough – just days where I knew when I was in training at Sacramento, I just, I just felt that there was, there was no hope. But yeah. but I, but it was just part of who I was. Like I just, I knew that like I had to keep going for yeah. not for today. It's for what's gonna come. Yeah, and but like you said, it's about being proactive and even being proactive about trying to get to college and trying to find ways to facilitate a move or facilitate something that's gonna make you happy and it's gonna put you in the best scenario to showcase your best, I guess, attributes as a player. Yeah, and I think that again through and through when you talk about regulating yourself at a young age that showed itself in this moment when you said look i'm not playing i understand you've given me the reasons why maybe i agree i don't fully agree right. but now i need to realize look my stock is where it is now i need to keep rising and by me sitting on the bench it's not going to happen so i need to create a, a scenario here you told me i need to move i need to go find something yeah. but again it's that proactivist mm-hmm. i think there's so many players who just kind of say you know what sure okay i'm not playing i'm going to keep working i'm going to keep working and that's fine but at a certain point, like you said, you kind of have to have those tough conversations to say, look, I'm going to bet on myself. I need to make this move. I need to go somewhere. Right. But I just feel like maybe it's just me and it's me talking, me personally. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, I'm not the starter. Okay, I'll keep working. But then sometimes it's just like work is just not going to get you there. You kind of maybe have to make a move. Yeah, you, you definitely need to have a, 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 the ability to recognize the, the reality of the situation. And and that that's obviously really important. So I I, I knew I just knew that I wasn't really gonna get in, and yeah. and I could have stayed. And they, they didn't want me to leave, but they said if I was going to to go on trial, it wouldn't be like I was still at an option year, and they didn't want to sign me away. It was just hey, we'll let you go on on uh, for um just to, just some time over there, and and when you come back, you're our player, and we'll discuss it in the season. So yeah, I mean, um yeah, it was just it, it felt like the right decision, and. I didn't want to sit there and just for sure probably not play and just kind of wait around where and I just like hey I'm gonna go have an opportunity went over there was enjoying I really really enjoyed Hartford I really did the the fans were good the you know there's some things they're still sorting out with the club and the organization of things and some 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 uh you know logistics and off the field stuff but the fans the environment I mean had a great little one of the actually the best turf field I've ever played on it's um they had coconut shreddings not the like black kind of tar it was like this coconut shredded really nice facility I mean I I really enjoyed it there and I think they have some cool stuff there but yeah with um as soon as Hartford you know actually a crazy story about Hartford I I flew over there I did a red eye flight I flew from Sacramento to Arizona. We got to Arizona like at 12 or something, 12 in the morning. Get on the flight to Arizona. We're like, we're not, we're close to halfway to Hartford, but we're not quite halfway. And there's this guy in the plane that's just drunk, like belligerently drunk and like trying to fight people. It was out of control. It was crazy. And, and I'm like, dude, are you serious, man? Like, this is ridiculous. So he couldn't, he wouldn't calm down. They're like, all right, we're turning the plane around. I'm like, oh my God. And, and, we're go the next morning that day we were playing against Peru um not Peru um who do we play against we're playing a national team they were they needed a game it's crazy um it's just when you were still on sack yeah well I would this is when I was leaving to go on loan to okay, to Harvard okay, got it well we're on the so I'm on the flight we turn around 
So we're delayed like an hour and a half. The police come on. They come and arrest this dude. They take him off. He's yelling. He's crazy. Then I'm like, oh, my God, get me out of here. So like 3 in the morning, going to – then I'm like, okay, we finally go back to Hartford. I land at like 7.30 in the morning, and I'm just completely exhausted. And I get there, do a – I get some food. We're chilling. We go to the game. They're like, like hey, like you do the warm up. You're not gonna play. Just do the warm up. Okay, fine. Do the warm up. Just hanging out. And it's the last 15 minutes, 10 minutes or so, they're like, hey, do you want to go in? I was just like, what am I gonna say? No. You know, <laughs> so go. I'm like, yeah, sure. Kid you not. The first play of the game, I make a run. To, my center mid gets the ball, turns kind of near half field, recognize that he's gonna turn. So I make an overlapping run down the line. He gets the ball, sprays it out to me. I take a touch down the line, get it, uh, touch down the line toward right on the end line. I just kind of little dinker chip floater far post. A guy does a bicycle kick, we score. And I'm jogging back, and the coach comes over. His name is Jimmy Nielsen. Really good, really cool guy. He's a the goal, goal, yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. one Jimmy of SKC. Yeah, 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 he's he's a player's coach. He's a, he's a good dude, man. I really like Jimmy. And he's like. He's like, what the hell? That was your first play. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the game, he's giving me stuff, you know, like. Uh, uh, he's just like, yeah, yeah, you keep that up, you know, you're gonna do well, you know. It's just funny little comments. So, um, but yeah, so wow. it was crazy how it all happened. I just overnight in the flight and everything. So, jeez. And after Hartford, you were done, or what was the scenario? You went back to Sac. Yeah. So after Hartford, uh, Sacramento had they told me that they're not gonna. Sacramento told me they weren't gonna re-sign me, and uh, I just, you know, it was, it was really hard for me. I did I'd obviously really invested in the community in in the people there and I have a lot of um, you know a lot of emotions tied to the club but I I, I, I understood I, I kind of knew it was coming and they ended up firing the, the head coach I believe I think he was you know he was fired and, and they had a new staff come in and it was kind of a, a big change I think reboot the, yeah yeah and so yeah I, I got back and I had opportunities I had a couple clubs that offered me contracts I went to I am going to preseason with Reno FC and when I was in preseason with Reno, it was uh, Ian. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting Ian's name, but Ian was there, and he was a former San Jose Earthquakes player. He's done a really good job at Reno. He's a really good coach. Really like, really liked Reno, um, Ian when I was there. I was in preseason. Was was doing fine. I mean, they they wanted to sign me, and and I, I was interested, but mentally, I just it, it was I wasn't in it anymore. Something had changed. I don't know what. I really, I just kind of felt out of love and maybe passion for the game maybe just the environment wasn't what i expected also coming from sacramento i think they had some really unique things about their team and then going to a different area and just maybe not having those things was was hard for me and i was like man this is not what i want from yeah. from maybe soccer but i remember the, during training at times like i'd be i'd be training and i just told myself i would be having conversations with myself like dude like i'm so over this or like i'm done with soccer like i don't know it was just weird it was i've never felt that way but I also was, I just, deep down, I kind of felt like, hey, it's, maybe this is this time. It's, it's okay. Like, yeah, this is going to be hard, but I knew, like, I just knew, like, I think a lot of players go through this when they know it's time yeah. to, like, move on. And I was, I was totally okay with it. And I, I was, I've been really happy about my journey as a player. And it, it, it was a little emotional at the first, for the first couple weeks and, at, you know, at the first couple months, but I just had felt that my time was soccer and I, 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 I really gave everything I could to soccer and it was time for me to focus on other things. But looking back at it, I don't regret my decision. And I know like that, that's my, I'm the most, the thing that I'm most proud of is 
every day I gave everything I possibly could. And I knew I was, I tried to be the best like pro I could and best teammate I could. And for me, that's a, that's like, that's the most like thing that it's like makes me happy as a person. It's gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's creating a system where you're accountable to yourself. And if you can live a life that you've been accountable to yourself and you've shown up for yourself every single day and you've created the habits and you've essentially cultivated this life that you want to live and it sounds like you did, you can end that chapter of your life and say, you know what? I've learned the lessons. I can take these lessons to any part of my life that I want. I'm happy with how things went. Not because of maybe the situations that I was put in, but like how you dealt with every situation and you were the one that you always felt I was in control of Mm -hmm. my destiny. I was in control of me being putting the best product on the field. And I think that is something that is really important. I think when you have that lacking in your life, you have a lot of regrets. And I think for me, when I retired, it was very similar to that of like, man, I have so many regrets because a lot of things I could have and should have controlled, I didn't. Right. And now I'm like, man, I'm learning all these lessons later in life. And I wish I would have just done this a little bit differently, this a little bit differently. And maybe I would have had a better outcome. Um, but my input was never good enough. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, those are always things you got to kind of look back and reflect on and, 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 and maybe, you know, battle with internally. Yeah. But um, I think that I, I'm, I'm lucky and blessed to also have been in a position where, I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to finish because I was injured, you know, or, or maybe a, a drastic situation. It was like, yeah. it was on my own terms. And I, I, I just, um, uh, it was, it was, it just knew like my gut, like I just knew I was listening to my, listening to my gut and you know, I'm, I'm in a position now where I'm coaching and I'm really enjoying that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about, uh, about how things have unfolded throughout since today. Well, Elliot, our whole group is waiting. We're going to go play some Yes. soccer right now i haven't played soccer in about six months so this will be very interesting <laughs> no this podcast got me really excited now because now yeah. i want to go out there and see yeah i remember you scoring a goal in uh, college so i'm excited to see it right now <laughs> um elliot uh, thank you again for for coming on man we really do appreciate it hopefully i can get you on again and uh, you're a very successful coach in a year or two uh, mm-hmm. and you continue to progress in the coaching ranks because i know that anybody who is as passionate about creating the life that they want through the habits that they have i think you are one of those people who fits that that style so i'm excited to see if maybe that rubs off on your players and then obviously hopefully you guys get some championships with it yeah man no thank you for having me it's exciting and i just want to make sure everyone knows that uh out of all the goalkeepers i play with omar is the best goalie and i'm <laughs> and i'm not kidding no not nothing to against any of my former teammates but uh just something unique about omar and as a, as a player on the field and just off the field and i think it's really cool keep supporting his channel man he's doing some awesome things he's, he's one of the best out there Thank you, dude. That was awesome. I think you missed what I wrote there. Say it again. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll throw that paper away. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.